Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. They scored the same amount of points against Fresno as they did when the New York Times (laughs) ruled them the number one team in America because they didn't play and spread COVID. Pete Thamel. There is no bigger stakes than like, oh my God, we could lose this game and go division two. (laughs) (laughs) With his eyes, Pat Forty. This is like the guy that goes on Tinder and says he's 6'5", 250, and then he meets the girl (laughs) and he's 5'9", 160. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, Welcome to the pod. Let's do our thoughts on uh, Hurricane Ida still going. Rough up in the Northeast. Pete, I hope your host is fine. Not the worst in Boston, not as bad as Philly, Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, Connecticut, a lot of our favorites places. Brutal. Uh, ready for this storm to go away. Go go run over Greenland or something. Hope you guys can can dry out, come back as I know you will. Absolutely brutal. All right. I'm a little slow this morning, a little tired. I had my class reunion last night from uh, Bishop Bishop Sycamore High School. <laughs> <laughs> It was just me alone with a 30 rack of bush light, apparently. <laughs> you could have, like, you know, brought in a couple guys and just said they were in your class because that's what they do. Good point. Just any night at the bar, just tell whoever, exactly. whoever's saying, come on, I'm at my high school reunion, Bishop Sycamore. Of all the details of that, um, and some of it is sad, so we don't want to laugh about it too much, but there is oh, actually no Bishop Sycamore. That's the Yeah. No, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you see that name, it's like, I mean, there's been plenty of interesting Pope names like Urban and things like that, and but I've never heard any Sycamore. That's a I, tree. I, I disagree. I think Bishop didn't Bishop Sycamore wasn't he a wideout at Texas Tech under the Mike Leach era? <laughs> <laughs> Slot guy. Yeah. He was a burner. He had like two TDs against Oklahoma one night. I, I swear that kid. Ur- it's like a JUCO point guard on a Larry Eustacey's Iowa State club. <laughs> I've I've heard of Bishop Sycamore. He wasn't a bishop, but (laughs) among my favorite parts of this story is the school used to be Christians of faith, right? So they went with the the Christians. Then they switched to Bishop Sycamore, which is generally the Catholics name their schools after the bishops. The Christians go right to Jesus Christ. The Christians have like a direct line. The Catholics are too, I don't know what, they're too, feel too guilty to talk to Jesus himself. So they, they, they have, they pray to all these other saints and they name their schools after it's very weird, but I'm like, we changed religions in the middle of this thing. So next it's going to be like rabbi Robertson (laughs) right? Academy, you know? Yeah. I I don't know what, what was going on. So many great lines from this thing. (laughs) Was it? Oh, fake team sneaks onto ESPN. It's like, wait, do they watch Texas this week? (laughs) (laughs) There was a million. Roy Johnson, the coach, got fired by who? (laughs) 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 Didn't notice that supposedly that reportedly there was a warrant out for his arrest for like probation violations, too. So then they they, they sniffed their hotel in Canton, Ohio, of course. Like, of course. (laughs) Why? Why pay? They had a GoFundMe to support the team. They were looking for 20 grand. They had made 140 bucks. Absolutely fun story. I mean, I do feel bad for the players. They, these guys prey on complete dysfunction. So I do feel bad for that. All three of us have done stories in basketball 
on these fake schools, diploma mills. Uh, I remember the first one I did, it was a school down in Durham. And another coach called me and was like, that's not a school. They stole my player. You know, he's bitter that they stole his player, but there's no school. You know, so I, I did an investigation and it was like, you know, it's like out of a like a preschool or something, like one room. And I'm like, do you have books here? Any teachers? You know, and they're pulling the, you know, this is alternative learning. And, you know, our guys have, you know, and then it's just 10 dudes playing basketball. I remember that one. They their their goal was they were homeschooling. They were using a homeschool curriculum, and uh, that way you could at that time you could not have to take the SAT mm. if you were homeschooled. The NCAA did not require homeschooled kids to take uh. standardized tests, which you know affected like three kids of you know how many homeschoolers are D one athletes, right? As Tim Tebow and like one archerer somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like whatever. And these guys are like, don't take the SAT and I grade these guys paper eligible. Like, and I'm like, kind of genius, dude, but I don't think it's going to work. So, but that was the same thing. They lock them in the rooms. I don't know. I, I just can't imagine what you were trying to do with football. You can get two good players to do it in basketball. You got to play IMG on ESPN. The gig is going to be up. <laughs> yeah. Once everybody sees that complete crap show of a team that you've got together. I mean, they, <laughs> I, it is an astonishing, first of all, astonishing amount of hubris to try it in football. Secondly, to get that far that you can get on ESPN and boy, shame on ESPN and Paragon who books their games for them because to let that happen, that's bad. But then third, yes, okay, once you're out there, this is like, the guy that goes on Tinder and says he's 6'5", 250, and then he meets the girl and he's 5'9", 160. It's over right then, okay? You've outed yourself. <laughs> you can get game? in the door, but then you're going back out the door. It's the most remarkable part of a very remarkable story is that they played two nights before. That's unbelievable. They played Truly against the team in Pittsburgh the two, two nights before that. Like, that is just... I mean, none of this is safe and none of it's good, but that is just like that's reckless. dangerous. I mean, that is like so just beyond it. Did they actually write what the payout was to play in the game? Did anybody did anybody ever get that detail? I haven't seen it. I have. And not I, I would like that, to know. It seems if any public schools are involved, you can maybe find out. It's not a yeah. ton, though, because there's a million of these schools begging to get in. So I, I as I as I recall these before, it's not a ton of money. The, the schools are begging to get on ESPN. Not the other way around. I mean, ESPN is just filler programming, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. Quinn Ewers' high school played a game in Jerry World, and like that that got on. You the know, Little ESPN League World U. Series ended, so they had yeah. nothing to. Yeah. They, they, they needed yes. other teenage athletes yeah. to exploit and put on as broadcast. <laughs> That's correct. Very few people watch more football than the three of us, right? Like, and these games have been going on for years. Have you ever actually sat down and like been like, "I'm going to watch Modern Day play"? No. So it's just literally background noise it's like on at the bar you know at night and it's just going to get ratings because it's football but now have i occasionally like sneak the peek at some recruit you know you know watch a couple snaps or whatever to get a feel sure but i mean nobody's really watching these games and they're not commanding the kind of ratings that would that would that would put it out so yeah there's probably like a flat rate i would imagine well they'll cover travel and all that kind of stuff and i would imagine it's around 10 15 grand does that sound about right, Dan? It sounds exactly right. I thought I was going to yeah. throw a 15. And I, I, yeah. I think with football, it's really tough because, I, like, last year, Amani Bates played Chet Holmgren in a basketball game. Mm -hmm. It's basketball. You could watch and be like, how good's this guy? Yeah. But, right. like, sometimes you tune in and they're like, well, this guy, this team's got the number two receiver in America. And you're like, well, they're only going to throw it to him four times. Like, I'm not going to sit here for three hours to watch that. I can just go on mm -hmm. a huddle. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back briefly to Pete's point just about the the physical abuse that these guys took playing two games in a row against oh, certainly the second game against a team that was so much better than them. I mean, I played high school football and you're sore the next day. You are very sore, even when you're 18, 19 years old. And some of these kids may be 20, 21, you know, who knows? They've got some <laughs> of these Juco reject guys on this team. 
But are you are you suggesting that Bishop Sycamore would not be compliant with their uh, age limits, Pat? <laughs> this Quite is a the Dominican there. Republic fo- baseball version of you know the, the football. I mean, so no, I mean it, it, to turn around then and just get physically beaten like to a pulp two days later. That's as a coach. How do you sit? I mean, that, that guy should go to jail. He's gonna. The governor yeah. of Ohio is now on the case. Okay. Like this is political fodder. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, this is the justice system, right? They prosecute who they want to prosecute. What better than a fake high school that's exploiting players? And I mean, right. The, yeah, it's on the right. governor's radar. This guy's going to be sitting in prison, right? He's going to be at the, he's going to be at the, uh, the lunch table or out walking the yard. And the other guy's going to be like, what are you in for? I mean, for armed robbery, I boosted a car in Cleveland. Yeah, I did this. I tried to have a fake football team to sneak on ESPN. Like, you doing 48 months for that stupid ass? <laughs> How much money you make? None. We we got one free night at the uh, Holodome in Canton, Ohio before skipping the bill. It is the lowest hanging fruit for a politician, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a layup. Oh, it's just, uh, you know, yes, you could you could trot out all the bipartisan cliches on that one. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks this guy's an idiot and a con artist. (laughs) And you can just uh, yes, you can just scoop up the free, you know, and that just makes the story bigger in a lot of ways, too. Oh, the governor's involved now. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But here's the I guarantee you this. After he does his 48 months, you know, in the Northeast Ohio Correctional Facility, <laughs> he'll be back and he'll have another team. Because what's the other thing we always see in they this always come in basketball? Oh. They never go away. You he'll have a seven on seven. You can't kill. It's like the Rodney Guillory effect. You can't kill these guys. <laughs> like they show up. They go back underground. They show up a decade later. They pop their head up a decade later. It's the same con men. Who yeah. keep weaving their way through, uh, weaving their way through these guys. There was a time mid two thousands. Dan wrote about him some. I know you wrote him some. Pat that basketball just became flooded with these schools. There was the immortal Boys to Men Academy run by the coach oh. who was legally blind, <laughs> Lauren Jackson. There was uh, God's Academy, which was just like a, an ode to the uh, an ode to the subtle. <laughs> <laughs> we we did a story in I guess it's 06 at the uh, at the New York Times and we quoted at three different prep schools quoted players saying quote I'm not a Harvard type person but I thought it would be a lot more work <laughs> next one <laughs> <laughs> we this was uh, Redemption Christian Academy in Troy which may be the oh, they, yeah, they that used to make the players sell bread um, in the morning to like make Lamar money. Odom went there he yes Lamar Odom did yeah. go there Lamar yep, Odom's alma mater. Yes. I, I pulled up to Redemption Christian at like 9am one day. And, uh, I, there was like a hooker on the street in Troy, New York. I was like, Whoa. Um, and they, yeah, the, 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 the students had to sell baked bread each day. Yes, yes, that was part uh, of the curriculum. Yes. yes. So a player at Rede- uh, Redemption Christian told me we had a spelling class. I was like, come on, are you serious? <laughs> and then the 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 school that was ended up the archetype of that was Lutheran Christian Academy in in Philly, uh, Daryl Schofield School, and uh, oh, one of the players, yeah. one of the players was quoted saying, "I thought prep school was supposed to be hard." <laughs> no, <laughs> basketball it works though. You have a little yes. Odom, oh, yeah. right? No, you Tracy one McGrady went to Mount Zion. That one was not. It wasn't as bad as the others. That was the thing. Mount yeah. Zion was shady, and then the other ones just went, they just took the steroids on it and just were like, yeah, why are you even pretending? And it was, as we talk about in Name, Image, and Likeness, the black market coming to light, like, it was essentially big college basketball schools who just black market funded these schools. Like, the players, the coaches sold the players to big state U, and the under-the-table money filtered to the coach, who his job was to rig the grades, and get the player eligible and then deliver him for the 50 grand, you know, if it was a good player or something, something like that. And then, then they found smaller league schools who would do the same thing for five grand. And, um, yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was a vibrant charade. Or even above table, the coach at Mount Zion, when Tracy McGrady went pro right out of high school, 
He signed an Adidas contract that included, it was a six-year Adidas contract. The coach at Mount Zion got 150 grand a year. Wow. For six years. <laughs> Above the table. Adidas yeah. just flat out paid him. Yeah. Yeah. For Tracy McGrady. And and yeah. uh I remember calling Sonny Vaccaro up. God bless Sonny Vaccaro. He doesn't he doesn't lie. Yeah. Right? Says a lot of stuff, but he doesn't lie. I said, Did you pay uh Tracy McGrady's coach 150? He's like, Yeah, of course. <laughs> Tracy's gonna be a superstar. Why wouldn't yeah. I? <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be this big, like, you know, uh few good men thing, you know. <laughs> you got yeah. you can't handle it. He's like, Yeah, I totally did it. It's like, oh, okay. So that dude um, pocketed 900 grand to 900 basically grand. just deliver Tracy McGrady to Adidas. To basically coach Tracy McGrady for, for half a year. Now, you know, it's Tracy agreed to the deal. I spoke, I don't know. That was it. It was in the contract. So there's right. a lot of money uh, at stake, but I just don't know how it works in, in football. So let me ask this. Let's, let's people's court this since we do think this will be illegal. I have a, a people's court question. Enduring rivalry between the Big Ten and the SEC. Is this a victory for the Big Ten? You say it means more? We got fake <laughs> damn high schools up here. Okay? Or does the SEC just laugh and say, this is basically, you know, a, a team without a school is basically all of South Georgia high school football. <laughs> you got nothing on us. And you're, sco- you're so bad, you have to make up schools to try to have teams. W- who wins the fight between Big Ten and SEC when it comes to taking pride or mocking Bishop Sycamore High School? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say, I, I I think this is definitely points for the Big Ten just for stepping up their game. <laughs> they have stepped up their game to try to compete with the complete bogus, you know, academic ruses that happen across the South just to support football. So I, I give them credit. I, I They're not quite there yet. I mean, you still got a ways to go. But so it's a big first step. I want to know, like, I, how long it's going to take for Bishop Sycamore gear to start showing up, like, in shops for people to buy. So I'm sure on, it's online already, isn't it? And it's already online. And, and I, I will tell you right now, like, I would, I would pay. I guarantee you the Bishop Sycamore people got 50 calls from producers trying to get a, a documentary on this. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Done deal. Yeah, in a week. If you show up your tailgate this weekend with a Bishop Sycamore T-shirt, like you're going to be the, the you star win the of the parking lot. Yes, yeah. I I don't know, Pete. Pete who whose side you on here? SEC or Big Big Ten? Yeah, I think it's a nice modest effort by the Big Ten, but they've got decades of SEC shenanigans to to overcome. So I, I'm not going to declare victory uh, yet for the uh, for, for the Big Ten in this. They also didn't have any really good players either. That was like, the, <laughs> yeah, that, the, if they had yeah. some studs, it might make a little yeah. more sense. Yeah, it's it, it was like it was good intent, but I, I need a little more follow through. Yeah, I just think this is par for the course and stuff. Like you know, okay, Bishop Sycamore doesn't exist, but like, do we even know? Like, has anyone ever really been to, like, Thomasville, Georgia? Does that really exist? I don't believe so. <laughs> Do we know? Prattville, Miller Alabama. County. Yeah. yeah. I, like, those, yeah. Those, those South Georgia, South Alabama programs where where uh, Rush Pros kind of, you know, operates. Yeah. <laughs> kind of operates. Do, That's a good way to put it. Does it, right? Where's the Hoover police uh, busting cocaine funding the program? <laughs> you got a long way to go, Big Ten. But I, I'm with Pat. Good effort. Good effort, yeah. Ohio. Take some pride in, in in this. All right, let's get to some college football. Awesome first week. Absolutely for a huge first week. My other favorite story heading into this week, I think, what do we got? Five or six ranked on ranked games? Five, and then we got LSU and UCLA, right? So UCLA is not ranked yet. And we'll get to that. We'll pick those. My other favorite story is uh, South Carolina's quarterback, Zeb Noland. Zeb Noland who yep. uh, joined the program as a graduate assistant and was coaching. He played at Iowa State and North Dakota State. North Dakota State must have 700 quarterbacks. He, uh, presumed starter Luke Doty, suffered an ankle injury. They were already low on numbers, so they, they dragged him out of the coaching room, put him in as a player, and he is now the starter. South Carolina is going with their coach as the starter against <laughs> Eastern Illinois. Pete, you're <laughs> our Carolinas expert. What is going on? <laughs> so Zeb Nolan was a good quarterback recruit out of the uh, Atlanta area, if I remember right. Went to Iowa State, got beat out, and uh, ended up in North Dakota State. I did a big story on Trey Lance last year around this time. And 
they loved Zeb Cohen up there. I mean, they loved him. They thought he was going to take over. Because remember, Trey Lance played the one showcase game in the fall, and then they ended up playing in the spring for the, for the rest of their season. And Trey Lance went out of his way to compliment how Zeb had handled it all. Like, he was that program guy. knew the Like, it was... There was just that, and I didn't call. They're looking for a love fest on uh, Zeb Dillon they had. So I'm happy for the kid who's you know now bounced to three different schools, and he struggled as a uh, as a starter at North Dakota State and got beat out. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the Gardner Minshew story. Remember, Gardner Minshew was going to go be a depth quarterback at Alabama with the promise of a GA spot because you know all the quarterbacks at Alabama transfer out and they didn't have any depth. Uh, you know, if you if you don't win the job, you're going to go somewhere else, and so. And then Minshew at the last minute got a uh, – he was at East Carolina where he was a pedestrian quarterback. And the last minute he got a call from Washington State, and now he's still banging around the uh, banging around the NFL. I don't know if old Zeb will have the same uh, arc, but that's a little bit what it, uh, what it reminds me of. But hard not to root for him, right? It makes me seriously doubt what's going on in South Carolina. But uh, it's uh, – you know, hope he, hope he has success. I, I remember, gosh, man, like maybe his freshman year at uh, – at Iowa State or something, there was a bunch of injuries anyway. He got pushed into playing immediately, and, like, I, he had some good performances. He, like, he was really good against Oklahoma. They lost. Uh, but then I was like, oh, man, maybe this guy's going to really go on to be something big. And, of course, that didn't necessarily happen, but good for him for getting one more chance to go out and sling it. Noted quarterback guru Will Muschamp, who said so many dynamic <laughs> offenses in his head coaching career, didn't leave the South Carolina quarterback room flush. Color me shocked. <laughs> Great recruiter, apparently. That's what they always say about him. Uh, all right, if you're having dinner with Jimbo Fisher this week, make him pay Texas A&M. They, so they give him a 10-year, $75 million deal. Entering the fourth season, Jimbo goes back. I mean, I love the gumption. Not enough. Need a little bit more here. Preseason top 10. He's now got a, a new extension. It's uh, it's worth ninety four point nine five million over, I think, ten years. How do you just not go for ninety five million there? What is the <laughs> what was the fifty thousand that hung modesty, in the balance? That's modesty and restraint. You know, that's, <laughs> that's 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 Texas A and M drawing a hard line, Jimbo. <laughs> we're gonna re up you for no reason at this point, and we're gonna give you ten years, ninety four point nine. We are not. We are drawing a line. We're not giving you that extra hundred thousand because we're fiscally responsible here. It was like those uh, those those commercials where they're they're selling like you know frying pans on TV that like no stick and then like four easy payments of you know and you gotta try to figure out exactly how much you're paying here. <laughs> Sounds yeah. low. Yeah, they're all nineteen ninety nine instead of yeah. twenty. Yeah, yeah. We often talk about like the SEC's outlandish list on this podcast, and I really feel like. This deal sets a new bar for outlandishness and SEC thinking. So for him to leave, it still costs zero dollars, correct? Unbelievable. And so this is from uh, Billy Uichi, who, who covers Texas A&M, does a good job there, breaks a lot of news out of, uh, out of that program. More info on Jimbo Fisher and A&M. Deal is a raise slash extension on current deal. No buyout. If they had to, the AGs would come up again but the barrier for entry, essentially to hire Fisher, is astronomically high at $9 million a year on a 10-year guarantee. So they essentially just gave him so much money that nobody else could afford him instead of having a contractual buyout for him to leave. So they're, they're basically saying, all right, LSU, if Ed Orgeron implodes and you want to come hire Jimbo Fisher, you have to pay him $12 million a year. And they're clearly like open to matching that. <laughs> Like, that is one of the most SEC things in the history of the SEC, where they say, we are going to pay our coach so much money that no one else can hire him away. Like, that, that is like, that was like the strategy in the boardroom. I don't think you want to throw that bar out there for someone to clear. <laughs> that's, well, that's yeah, you know what? Too. Especially LSU. Well, and nobody you. overpays like Scott Woodward, right? Look at yeah. his, look at it. He is a big star, big fish. They, in the SEC, they take pride in overpaying. The other factor here you can't underestimate is this deal comes six weeks after Texas is, uh, announces it's headed to the SEC. Exactly. So don't underestimate that dynamic. That dynamic has literally changed the, the map of college football, right? And so A&M is well ahead of Texas right now. They're ahead on the field. They're ahead in recruiting. They have a much better, more proven head coach. And 
they are basically saying, okay, Texas, have fun with your uh, with your retread offensive coordinator from Alabama. We are planting our flag. Come get us. And that is like SEC or whatever, Texas football petty as high as possible. And it is it's awesome. terrific. Yeah, yeah don't get the money. Yes. Yes, that is. What I, I, mean, I mean, he only had six years left on his deal, Dan. So I'm sure he's getting nervous. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those high school sophomores well, was, were wondering if he was going to be their senior year. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the the best part is the renegotiation. I mean, right? Yeah. But that, hey, someone's going to pay it. Take it. Uh, no problem with that. I, I what I give Texas A&M credit for when they did go out to get Jimbo is they didn't just give this money to like like we just talked. South Carolina paid X number of dollars for. For Will Muschamp, I bet they're paying him four million bucks a year. Like, why bother? Right? Like, you're paying, you pay, don't pay Jeremy Pruitt this kind of money. Like, at least Jimbo Fisher was a proven guy, and right. you went out and spent extra. You spent that extra money, and look what you got. Your program's really strong. So, uh, hey, but I, I, I just love it. It's like, yeah, that's seven point five mil. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's really expensive. Cost of living, you know, inflation's up. It's tough here in College Station. Tough to <laughs> squeak, get by there, you know. You think he's gonna build a, a Mark Davis style like uh, layer, the fourteen million dollar house he, he just got announced? Yeah, he probably should. Should why not? He can Still buy every pickup in Greater Houston if he wants. <laughs> Unbelievable! Uh, I, that's a lot of pick. That's a lot. That's of a lot of pickups. But you know what? Ninety four million is a lot of money. <laughs> no chip problem there. It, Pete hit it exactly right. Is this is this is you know there may be some business sense to this, and okay, if LSU implodes, we want to protect ourselves. But this is mostly a direct response to Texas. I think this is you know the I mean the the one upsmanship, the ego battles between those two schools just never never end. And that I mean Texas pulled the ultimate. We're the big dog play by getting into AM's league after AM couldn't get wait to get away from Texas. So now this is the response is well, fine, you're coming in. Well, we've got the better coach, and we're locking him up at the most ridiculous salary for the, you know, for no reason to do it right now, other than the fact that we're mad at you. So this it also, is it also this, can bankrupt Texas a little bit. Not bankrupt them, and we're not getting bankrupt, but it's like it's like in poker where you just try to try to, you know, use your your leverage. Sarkeesian's got 5.2 million right now. He should ask for a raise right now. He's practically getting half. <laughs> if they cover against Louisiana, watch. If, see if, if he they gets beat an, Louisiana, he gets Jimmy Sexton is going to be like, what? We all, you know, Texas only pays half of what Texas A&M? What kind of crap program is this? What are you guys, Texas Christian? Is this Texas? Yeah. Or what are we doing here? Sark is getting paid off of this. It's a great deal for him. So the, the beauty of like football in Texas, and it's like this in a, in a lot of states, is the real battles are fought every day in the country club, right? And they're fought in the politicians' offices, right? And they are fought in, like, the boardroom. And that is, like, that is where this is. This is a country club victory. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fork over money for our coach. You can, you can take your piddling little $5 million coach and play in your second-rate league for the next three years, we're gonna we're just gonna keep on marching. When TCU built their hundred and they raised like a hundred five million dollars for a stadium with like nine guys. Remember when they built the new stadium and it was just like, all right, time to go here, boys, pony up. And it's like you know you just peer pressure, right? What you ain't got you ain't got twelve million laying around there, bud. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Well, that was Chris Conte, if you remember, who's now the oh, AD yeah. at Texas, and you know he's thinking of an answer right now. Well, like Sark he is, is not underpaid. <laughs> Poor Sark clipping coupons up in Austin. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Can barely afford queso. God. Uh, Torchy's tacos. He's got a group on. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a snake draft. I mean, we're we're in midseason form here, man. It's week no, one, we but we are snake drafting. We are people's courting. We are doing everything, right? Everything. We're rolling. We are rolling. Snake draft. What program, coach slash program, needs a win in week one the most? Okay. What program or coach really needs to win this weekend? And uh, with the caveat that it's week one. But things can spiral quickly, and we're here to stomp on them uh, (laughs) when they don't. 
Pat, you get the first pick of the draft, the Sacramento Kings Memorial spot. Thank you. Thank you. With the first pick, I selected. I, I could have like selected ne- Nebraska, but they're playing Fordham, so so forget that. But so first pick, <laughs> that's I am okay. taking, taking Scott Frost disaster off the table. Yes, yes, taking the flaming garbage ship that is Nebraska off the table. That I'm would be the emergency tech- podcast of all emergency podcasts. Oh yes, it would. Yes, it <laughs> would. Fordham is underwater granite. right yeah. now. We drop everything. Texas. Uh, not because Sark needs it, but Texas needs it for the reasons we just discussed. There's a lot of ego at stake. You've just pulled one of the biggest power moves in the history of college sports. And your first game is not an easy one. It's Louisiana Lafayette bringing back a lot of good players from a good team. But you are Texas. You're starting a new era. You have just blustered your way and barged your way into SEC membership starting whenever you better come out and win that game because you are going to be the laughing stock of college football. If you do not, I am going to uh, stay in the state. There is sort of a dueling uh, necessity of wins here, but I am going to go with Dana Holgerson at Houston. You have a two years losing record, no bowls. They fired two coaches Last two coaches they fired, both had made bowls in their two years, and they fired them. There is a necessity you can't overstate of Houston needing to beat Texas Tech, I think it's at NRG Stadium, to show off for the Big 12. Like, Houston needs to be hot right now. They have the metrics, they have the markets, they have the recruiting base, etc. They need a win to say, hey, look at us. Remember us under Tom Herman? Remember us in the top 25? I like it would be really interesting if tech goes in there and wins what happens at Houston. The buyout is big for an AAC school. It's 5 million bucks, but that would be a really bad sign for Dana Horwilson's era. Now there's a lot of optimism out of Houston. They have a lot of talent, uh, Doug Belk, new DC, like they, they, they really feel good about where they are, but whew, that, and then you could, you could, you could, we could snake draft uh, Matt Wells in the next round too. All right. I'm going to go with Kirby smart. Uh, not that, they can they can lose to Clemson and still make the, the playoff. Uh, the schedule, because they don't play AM and they don't play Bama, is wide open for Georgia. Uh, but this is also kind of the other than the cocktail party and what's that going to entail, this is the game until the SEC title game. So they can come back and still be fine and win. This is the team. They've got the best team. They have a ton of talent. Uh, I looked at the 24-7 cumulative talent they've got, and I don't really like the way 24-7 comes up with five stars because you can have two. Everyone can rate a guy a four-star. They make him a five, which makes no sense. Like if every every NFL team has a second-round grade on a guy, you don't pick him 15th in the draft. That's a terrible pick. So it, it doesn't work, but it, it's indicative of something. They got 19 five-star. They've got the veteran quarterback. They've got an incredible defensive front. Yes, it's Clemson, but... This everyone's talking national championship. Can Kirby Smart win the big one? This is a guy who's 10 and six against the top 10 in his career. Three of those losses are to Bama, which, you know, maybe you can excuse. One was to a great LSU team. This will be depressing if Georgia doesn't win this game. It's not over, but man, could Georgia use this game and then they can spend the whole year probably blowing everybody else out and sitting there going, we're the big dogs here. Everyone's kind of chasing us. We're the force. Otherwise, they're fighting their way back in. And and you just pulled the you, you go into those final you go still go into late in the year with all the doubts of is this team good enough? So I'm taking uh, you know what? Let's not snake draft. Let's just go regular draft. I don't know why I call it the snake draft. OK, go well, because I was going to I was waiting for your second pick. I like the first pick, but you, you now have left left the opening for me to take uh, Chip Kelly and UCLA, who you wrote about this week. And I'll say that UCLA very much needs this. Chip Kelly, you know, seasons have started terribly until this year. They looked really good, but that was against Hawaii. How do you look against a big dog, against LSU coming into town? You know, all thoughts are with all the LSU people whose homes have been, you know, submerged or damaged or whatever in Louisiana. But from a pure competitive standpoint, I think it's advantage Bruins here. You've got LSU was displaced to Houston. You know, a lot of tumult, disorganization, disarray. You're going all the way across the country to California. Chip Kelly's ready to make that breakthrough that he was paid handsomely to make and hasn't made yet at UCLA. This is the time to do it. 
So Bruins step up, beat the beat the Tigers. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go right to the sweet spot of our uh, of our hardcore listeners here. All right, I'm gonna forget the big starry games. I'm gonna forget the big name coaches. I am going to go right to coach incentive. Our guy Randy Edsel has a home <laughs> game against Holy Cross at <laughs> noon on Saturday. Pratt and Whitney Stadium will be jumping for the Crusaders <laughs> to come in. Those would jumping. be your FCF playoff participant, Bob Chesney's Crusaders. Randy Edsel needs a win after just a literal actual meltdown of offense at Fresno on Saturday. They didn't play last year, even though they won the national championship. And I would think that if there is a tipping point, remember, like that program has had like 600 guys go in the portal in the last two years, right? Imagine. If, if th- like there is football viability in the Division One level at school at stake on this game. So forget your coach getting fired or the buyout or whatever. There is no bigger stakes than like, oh my God, we could lose this game and go Division Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody said that out loud. But you think Danny Hurley sits around at UConn in this new Big East era and says, man, I wish we were spending more money on football, which <laughs> which really is only a laughingstock, like like is only relevant to be for for jokes about Edsel's contract on our podcast. That's about it's 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 moments of national attention. So let's just see if those crusaders get a little salty. You could start some conversations in old uh, in old stores. They could use they could use another uh, analytic basketball GA in the basketball program. I think. Get Gordy Lockbob. I still, I believe, still playing for Holy <laughs> uh, Cross. There we go. There we go. Gordy Lockbob. Yeah, Gordy Lockbob. Gordo. Gordy Lockbob. He's a hell of a player. Two way, two way star. Think about UConn. Is it, it's it's one of the few schools in the country that tries to do D one football, super high level men's and women's basketball and hockey, which which uh, at a, at a high level and has a million players. Like the the and then baseball and all the other sports, which they actually do really well in a lot of the others, soccer, but like the sheer strain on an athletic department to have that many student athletes and that many programs. Some of the Big Ten schools do it, but that's Big Ten. This is this is not the Big Ten, so very tough to do. All right, I'm gonna go with Penn State and James Franklin. Not that James Franklin's under pressure for his job or anything like that, but they play Wisconsin this weekend. At Wisconsin and a victory. Uh, this is just a, a heavyweight battle right off the bat for the Big Ten. Uh, love it. Big noon game on Fox. Franklin was doing fine. He had three of the le- four seasons. He had 11 wins. He's recruiting really well. He's got good players. Uh, last year, four and five. Terrible start to the season. Got better later. Uh, I still think they won that Indiana game, but whatever. They, this would be a, a real sign and show of force. We're back. That we're not just going to be regu- regulated to second tier status or third or this kind of one tier. And then there's the other tiers, but we can still compete with Ohio State. We still have a shot at being the best program in the Big Ten. And Penn State should have that goal. It doesn't have to take a back seat to Ohio State. It's got lots of players in its state. It's sitting right there by the by the DMV. There's so many opportunities to get players. Penn State should not sit there and seed anything to Ohio State, but you can't have a four and five season. You have to flip that back. James Franklin is a good enough coach. We've seen it in the past. Occasionally, coaches will have a really bad year. Brian Kelly had one at Notre Dame, Mark D'Antonio had it at Michigan State, and then they can get it back. That's a sign of a really good program. And I'm, I'm interested to see like, is this fading? I don't think it is. Uh, I think it was just a bad season last year, but I think it's a, there's a lot at stake for Penn State. All right, Pat. Like it. Um, I do have to make one quick comment on UConn. That it is shocking to see the defending national champions after week zero <laughs> rank last in the nation in total offense, total defense, scoring offense, and scoring defense. Like, you can't be any worse than that. But that is where UConn is. Pat, they, they also were last. Uh, all right. They didn't gain a single yard during their national cha- their New York Times national championship season either. <laughs> they scored yeah, the same true. amount of points against Fresno as they did when the New York Times <laughs> ruled them the number one team in America because they didn't play and spread COVID. <laughs> all of a sudden, the rules change. Not fair. <laughs> Now they have to play. It's unbelievable. It's unfair, really, to make them now have to play. 
Did you give uh, Edsel the coach who should take his courtesy car away, Pat, on the dash? Oh, yes, I did. Okay. Could you oh, just, yes. like, keep that copied and pasted for, like, the rest of the season? Like, like you should call it, like, the Randy Edsel courtesy car takeaway. Randy, if I went and looked back at all the 40-yard dashes, Randy may have won that <laughs> award more than anyone else. You know, and, and very heavy in the last, like, three years. He's very passed Charlie heavy. Weiss on the, yeah. uh, on the all-time yeah, Charlie list. Weiss won it many times, too. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> pretty exciting. Third round, uh, give me Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente. That's a guy who needs a win. They've got UNC coming to Blacksburg Friday night. Very highly touted UNC, top 10, Sam Howell. A lot of program momentum there against a program with very little momentum. And the, the boosters and the fans want Fuente's head. They almost got it last year. He kept his job. But he's on the line this year. If you want to calm things down, get people back in your camp, upset the Tar Heels here at home, and bring back a little bit of mojo to uh, to Lane Stadium. I am going to uh, shift focus to Ann Arbor, where there's uh, more asbestos pants like there is in Blacksburg for, uh, for, for Jim Harbaugh. I don't think Western Michigan is going to beat Michigan. I want to be very clear about that. But what I am curious about is – how this could showcase the talent drain at Michigan. 2018, Michigan opened the season with a, with a loss at Notre Dame. That was a big opening uh, opening night game. And then week two, they thumped Western Michigan 49-3. to All right? Western Michigan's a solid MAC program. They're not, they're not where they were under P.J. Flack. And that was, uh, I believe, Tim Lester's first year was 18 when Michigan, when Michigan housed them. If this is a... 10 point game if this is a 21 to you know 21 to 7 game if western michigan who is by the way pretty good right they don't have darnell eskridge anymore he was the the little uh dynamic player who uh who ended up as an nfl draft pick he was the most exciting player in the mac last year most exciting player in mac in, in, a, in a lot of years quite uh quite frankly but if you look at western michigan and you look at caleb elby their quarterback who's a dual threat guy, who, who, who's a very good Matt quarterback and a very good player. If Western Michigan gives Michigan problems, it's going to be a problem for Jim Harbaugh this year because it's going to really have a snapshot of how far things have slipped. I was going to pick them. Other side of the UCLA-LSU game and take uh, LSU uh, and Odor Orgeron and had to obviously win the national championship. Then they go five and five, replace everybody. There's all sorts of question marks. They should beat UCLA. They have better talent than UCLA, even though the game is on the road. Uh, they're dealing with all sorts of issues. They're in Houston. They've got, obviously, distractions back home. But this is a big game for LSU to say, we're back. We're back in the mix. We're back in the SEC West race. Don't write us off. Don't start the, you know, is Coach O going to be the coach here and all that, which in SEC recruiting just starts savaging people and all sorts of flips and everything else. They can write the ship. You got to go through a gauntlet, but they can write the ship pretty quickly by by beating a UCLA team, which has not been good. They've won. They're eleven and twenty one overall against uh, you know under Chip Kelly. Uh, obviously, this would be a huge shot for Chip Kelly to get this victory, but LSU's got to be able to hold that off. And if they do that, it's it's not out of the question that they're rolling. Um, no, they got McNeese, Central Michigan, at Mississippi State, who beat them last year. They're undefeated going for a while. They get some good mojo. They get some good positivity. I think it's a really big game for LSU to, to beat the Bruins. All right, that concludes our draft before we get down to more 1AA talk. There was extensive talk about UConn and Holy Cross on this. Relegation. <laughs> and then UConn will bring in Ted Lasso to bring him back up. Ted Lasso can coach <laughs> New England United. Yes, yes, we have Why it. Not? Season three, Why not? coming soon. Season That's three. the dream. That's well, didn't the he, dream. He led Wichita New England State. United, coached by Ted Lasso. It's perfect. Yeah. I don't even know if UMass is playing. Are they, are they playing this year? I think they play Pitt. Oh, it's the biggest spread of the weekend, by the way. Ooh. Is it really? Tantalizing. All right, well, let's pick so some games. So let me games. say this now, about UMass, because we have oh. a lot of UMass listeners. I went to UMass practice this <laughs> spring. Oh, and no. their quarterback, Tyler Lytle, Wait, is a good-looking player. They practice? They actually practice? <laughs> this is good. Good news. I like their quarterback, Tyler Lytle. UMass, UMass that's, that's going to cover. Did you really <laughs> say we have a lot of UMass listeners? There are <laughs> Nobody cares about UMass football. How can that's we have true. a lot of listeners? That's not true. Got, that's not I true. had to go on a podcast. I got. They were so mad at me. I had to defend myself <laughs> on, 
on the UMass football podcast. Pat, you're uh, just down there in SEC and ACC country. You don't understand the feisty little independence in the 413. Come on. I guess so. If yeah. they have fans, they do a good job disguising it. In the future, this is going to be a breakaway segment. The Race for the Case is going to be its own podcast late in the week. We have a track record of excellent picks. We make no predict. Past performance does not guarantee future results. <laughs> No, okay. but last week we were all good. We were all had winning records. All against good the last week. We're generally good every year. We're about, if we're not above 500, we're pretty damn close. And it's usually me. I'm the only one who's not. And that's because I, I, I often pick based on what my predictive alcohol level on campus <laughs> will be during the week. <laughs> that system, eh, a little shaky. Uh, we're not this time because we had to go late and whatever. Just enjoy the picks. Race for the case. We are starting right here. Let's try to make it somewhat quick since we already discussed many of these games. Number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin. Noon on Fox. Badgers uh, minus five. The over-under is 50. 70% of the bets, 80% of the money at BetMGM is on the Badgers. Pat Forty, who you got? It's going to be close. It's going to be relatively low scoring. I think uh, five is a little more than I would like, but I'm going to take the Badgers there. I figure they can win by six, seven. I think Graham Mertz, who started so well last year and his whole season got unsprung by COVID, he gets back on the beam. He's a very talented quarterback there. Ches Malusi comes in from Clemson as a transfer running back to play with Jalen Burgos. So they've got two good backs. I think they're just going to be able to ground and pound enough to uh, hold off Penn State. Boy, you know, we always joke buy Apple stock instead of betting. I've thought about this game and looked at this game, and I have just no feel for this game. Penn State was obviously awful last year until they weren't, and then they were quite good. They have a new offensive coordinator, so you don't quite know what to expect there. I think generally in the offseason, we've made a lot of predictions based on flawed sample sets. I just, uh, I just, it is, it is going to be a fascinating week one where a lot of the stuff we've talked about for the last seven months just has completely blown to smithereens. So all that said, I am going to take uh, Penn State in the five. I feel like it will be like Pat said, a low scoring game. I don't think anyone thinks this is going to be uh, an old whack 52-49 shootout, but I just think right now, Wisconsin and the sample size we saw of them last year is just not as talented of a program as they have been. And I think Penn State, offensive sink, which was missing a lot last year under Kirk Soraka, gets back in a little bit of flow with Mike Yersich and uh, when in doubt, bet on the talent. Sully. Penn State gave up the most points per game in school history last season. Just the medicine the home Badgers need. Uh, they're going to ground and pound them to death. Give me the Badgers. I think Badgers win, but I'll take I'll take Penn State's points right there. But man, I agree. I don't know what quite to expect out of Penn State, but I will take the Nittany Lions. Other one, this is a great game in 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 the Big Ten for that second tier interest. Indiana at Iowa, number 17, Indiana at number 18, Iowa. Both teams have eyes on a really good season. And and it's it can be it can be set right here. Uh 330, Big Ten Network. Iowa is uh minus 3.5. The over-under is 56. 60% of the bets, 70% of the money is on the Hoosiers going in and covering in Iowa City. Pete, you're first. Yeah, I mean, this game's on uh, BTN. That's a great game for BTN to have on the first first Saturday of the season. Uh, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes despite their inferior tap water. I just think they have superior talent. I... Look, Indiana still has to prove it to me. They have a new defensive coordinator. They have Michael Penix back. He's been dinged up and a little bit out. I just feel like for Indiana to have a redo, they need to prove it. And I am going to stay skeptical in Indiana, which quite frankly, I picked against them quite a few times last year and it it cost me, but I am going to stick with Iowa at home. How many times Tom Allen have to prove it to you, Pete? Come on. (laughs) They were what? Six and two last year, eight and four the year before. I think I, I, I I got it. I I'm down with the Hoosiers here. I Look, I, I go into this game kind of the way Pete was talking about Penn State, Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't have a good feel. I think Iowa should be pretty good. The schedule works a bit against them, but but I mean they've got a returning quarterback. They've got the best center in the country. They've got a very good tight end. The kind of things that Penn that Iowa usually has. Uh, but <laughs> Indiana, feel the excitement. We got the best center in America. <laughs> the the Remington Award gonna... is coming home. <laughs> 
He's going to be a first round pick. So that's how you sell. That's how you good sell place. Tickets. Start with the guy that snaps the ball every play. That's good. Be good there. But Hoosiers. Yes, they are changing defensive coordinators, but they've got playmakers on that defense. They they get after the quarterback and they they're ball hawks in the secondary. If they can replicate some of that, I think they're going to be in business. Penix, we got to make sure he's back to 100% after the knee surgery last year, but all sing, all signs seem to be go. My my one of my favorite names, Wop Fillior, back to catch passes. Uh, I think they're going to be very productive in the passing game. They got a transfer in at running back that should help them there. Uh, Hoosiers are going to be able to at least cover, if not win outright in Iowa City. Ooh, I love the Hawkeyes here. It's going to be a classic 17-10 slog. Uh, Tyler Goodson, hell of a back. They had 4.5 yards of carry last year, and they're just going to – Penix isn't going to touch the ball here. It's a little bit of a keep away, and the Hawkeyes are going to win it. Iowa is my pick to win the Big Ten West, and it starts right here. Hawkeyes win this game, cover, and uh, set up the monumental Cyhawk game which needs a better name following week so i'm taking iowa all right number one bama oh who are they we don't even talk about bama enough. little outfit out of tuscaloosa is trying to make its way uh playing the 14th ranked university of miami hurricanes in atlanta i believe that game is some neutral site spot bama giving 18 and a half the over under is 62 75 percent of the bets and the money is on Alabama. Uh, back to you, Pat, with the first pick here. Yep. I mean, in these games, generally speaking, it is Bama we trust. They not only win, they usually maul whoever they're playing in these season opener neutral site games. I'm not feeling it this year. I'm, I say take Miami in those points. If the points stay above 17, especially, I, I like Miami here. Veteran, veteran team going up against a team that is replacing eight starters on offense and its offensive coordinator. Alabama's the better team. Alabama's going to win, but I can just see a slow start here for them, feeling their way into it against a pretty darn good opponent. And if Alabama does get ahead, we've seen this with Saban often, but especially I think Saban with an with a inexperienced quarterback. If they get ahead, he's tucking it in. You know, if it's 28-7, he's tucking it in. And then you get the backdoor cover possibilities. So I, I think everything sets up well for at least a Miami cover. God bless college football. The offseason of blather and talk and speculation could completely blind a clear-eyed person like Pat Forty into doing something <laughs> so foolish as to taking Alabama's <laughs> opponent in an opener. Like, I hope we can replay this on Monday and just really have a good laugh at Pat and his naivety for thinking Miami. Oh, they return all these players. You know why they're returning? Because they're not that good. All right. <laughs> Anyone who was awake for the last decade and picks against Nick Saban, one of these neutral site openers. By the way, Derek King is 24 years old. I believe his birthday was just a couple of weeks ago. And God bless Derek King, but he ain't running the ball coming off surgery. If you are going to have a chance to play against Alabama, you have to have a quarterback run game in a tempo of something. That is not Derek King. And look, Derek King, who's a very nice college player, and I'm glad he's crushing it on NIL. If he could hit a fence post, generally he'd be in the NFL right now, right? So if you don't have a QB run game, you are going to get mauled up front on your offensive line. Remember how Clemson just mauled Miami's front last year? And you don't really have a, a quarterback run game or a quarterback throw game. I don't I am not optimistic that <laughs> Miami can score 14 points. So, again, I see the arguments for Miami. You can talk yourself into Miami, but you just have to look back at the last decade. Yep, this is going to be a classic Bama crockpot here where they're just going to grind them down. <laughs> the defense is going to be unreal. Linebacking core is just, just so good. It's going to be a big old blowout once again. Can't hit a fence post? It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to stretch the field. Right? First off, I hate that phrase. Fence posts are kind of skinny. It's not that. It's like the broadside of a barn. Fine. But the fence post, that ain't that. How far away are you? I tried to talk myself into Miami as well. I, I love their front seven defensively. You got the veteran QB. Who are these Alabama guys? Here's the thing about the Alabama guys we don't know. It's like they haven't. They're all they're all studs. They're all going the NFL. They're all five star players. They haven't got to play yet. They're like when they when in the, they do the bull riding and they get the bull in the pen. 
It's like bucking and jumping and right, <laughs> give me my shot. Just give me my shot. These guys come out blaring in game one. They've been waiting to play for like three years. They've been getting yelled at. They've been lifting weights at six in the morning. They've been everything. And they're like, give me my chance now. They're going to, the Alabama's going to win this game. Pat, you're a lone wolf on this one. That's and fine. I'll, I'll take, take it. Bama I'll take it. Please. All right. Do, do you know why the bull is bucking in the pen, by the way? What? Do, Dan, do you know, as, as someone who grew up where the pro bull riding Hall of Fame is in don't Colorado Springs, do you know why the rap, bull is bucking? Yeah, they wrap something around the part you yeah. don't want to get wrapped around. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you saying Nick Saban wouldn't resort to that if necessary? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. Your analogy could be extremely correct. That's how uh, Bishop Bishop uh, Sycamore gets the guys going there. <laughs> all right, LSU at UCLA. We talked about 8:30 p.m. on Fox. LSU is giving three over under 65. Half the bets and 62 percent of the money are on the Bruins, according to MG, Bet MGM. Pete, you first. I wonder who you're going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take LSU. Ah, I know this goes what? against. I know this goes against my, my my love of Chip Kelly. The LSU has a ton of questions. All right, they have a ton of questions. They essentially have four new coordinators who are going to have their hands on offense and defense. They have uncertainty at the quarterback position. They have all the offseason tumult. They have the reverberations, obviously, from Hurricane Ida and being displaced out to Houston. But they also just have better players. I will I will res- reserve judgment on the Chip Kelly championship chase until they play a team with similar talent. And LSU just has so much more talent. And if you watch the Hawaii game, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is still limited. He's not going to be able to stretch the field. Uh, the dynamic run game usually showed. The box is going to be tight. And I think it will be a good game, and I think it will be a competitive game, but I think LSU finds a way to win. But wait, how come the great Chip Kelly is at such a talent deficit four years in? How can this be? How can this be the great Chip Kelly? I mean, come on. This is the breakthrough He's getting year. total student athletes, Pat. He cares about the academic mission. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, enough of that. He's got enough guys to at least keep this close. I think they can maybe win outright. I'm taking UCLA and the points. I just, all of the setup here. I think favors UCLA. Now, are they good enough on the field? We don't know. But the setup, for all the reasons we have discussed, uh, tilts in favor of UCLA. I think they show up and actually show us more than they have for many, many years here and uh, give the, the Bruins fans some hope and certainly at least cover the number. Yeah, I watched that UCLA run game live. It was really good. Boone Logan's out for the Tigers, too. That That worries me a little bit. But... I was outside the locker room when Coach O was firing him up before the national championship game. He's going to do a lot of talking before this game. Win one for the Gipper, for everybody back home, and uh, they're going to get it done. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to I'm picking UCLA. I like the points, and I'm going to sit there watching DTR throw like four picks against all the Stingley, <laughs> <laughs> and what and watch the offensive line that mauled Hawaii. Get get pushed around by. I, I'm going to regret this one, but I'm taking I'm taking UCLA. I, I just I think it sets up for him. I think it sets up for him. And honestly, Chip, if you don't win this, you know, not uh, come on, man. You got to got to cover for me here. Got to cover for me. This is this will be a this will be a fissure in our relationship. Like <laughs> like the Willie Lyle stories weren't already. But <laughs> I've I've forgiven myself for writing those. I hope you too have to. <laughs> All right. Uh, Very noble fifth, of you, Dan. It is. I don't blame myself for that. It was all true. Big one. Number five, Georgia. Number three, Clemson. In Charlotte, North Carolina. You'll both be there. Clemson is giving three. The over-under is 51.5. Games at 7.30 primetime on ABC. I mean, just awesome Saturday night. UCLA, LSU on one channel. Georgia, Clemson on the other. Plus a million other games. of the bets and 60% of the money are on the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Give me Georgia. We have discussed, as Dan readily noted, I mean, the talent is stacked up there. It's time for a breakthrough. Uh, I think they will definitely be the better team in the trenches. The other thing, the X factor here, COVID situations for both schools. Georgia's director of COVID has COVID 
We don't know whether there are any players are affected, but this guy as the trainer, Ron Corson, probably interacts with a lot of players. So if you're unvaccinated, you could be subject to being quarantined here. On the Clemson side, there were questions for Dabo Swinney on Wednesday night about all ACC defensive tackle Tyler Davis and whether he will be available for COVID reasons. There was no answer. He said, we'll see on Saturday when they said that last year, Trevor Lawrence showed up in street clothes. So I expect there to be issues on both sides. But if you take Tyler Davis out of the middle of that Clemson defensive line and you want to stop Zamir White and all those other running backs for Georgia, that's not good. Georgia is going to win cover. And again, another one that's going to be close and low scoring defensive orient. When when I picked Ohio State to beat Clemson last year in the playoff, a lot of it was predicated on Clemson's offensive line just not being able to hold the line and open up holes. And I just am still skeptical of that unit. I'm a, I'm a believer that Clemson's talent is still down. Now, it's better on the defensive line, but it's still down 10 to 15%, maybe even 20% that night in San Jose when they ragdolled Alabama. And they are better. They are coming back. Justin Roth, they're way better at receiver. It's an interesting game. It would not surprise me if Clemson won. I am going to take Georgia. I'm going to take the points, and I am going to take the Georgia defensive front having a more distinct advantage against the Clemson line as opposed to the other way around. I think that proven run game of Georgia, look, Kirby Smart ain't going to go like all out aggressive in this game, right? And it's really interesting, too, because neither of them have a challenging game the rest of the regular season. They will both be favored by at least seven points all the way there. So I feel like that it's such an important game in the, in that sense because it is it is the one prove it game and yes as much as I, I am skeptical of of Jordan you know Georgia's allowed us to be skeptical of them in the highest moments I I just think the Bulldogs are distinctly better to overcome some of that Dabo mojo and some of that Justin Ross mojo here and uh, come away with a W in Charlotte. Clemson secondary versus JT Daniels will be a heavyweight treat, but on the flip side, I, I saw enough uh, from DJ Uyunglele last year at Notre Dame to give me the Tigers. I am going Georgia. Much talent. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, lone Wolf Clemson, <laughs> Sully, let's go. Sully loving the Lone Wolf. You're Lone Wolf. I'm taking Georgia. I discussed it earlier and why I think. I think Kirby Smart can win the big game. I just think that they'll 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 take care of this. So I'm Georgia Lone Wolf Sully. All right, lock of the week time. Who's got their lock of the week? Anyone do their homework? I, I got did. my lock of the week. All right. Let's start with uh let's start with Pete. Last year on the uh early season podcast, I spoke about BYU's explosive uh offense and Pat mocked me. And Zach Wilson ended up having a pretty good season. So <laughs> BYU plays Arizona. I believe it's a neutral site game in Las Vegas. BYU is favored by 12 and a half. Zach Wilson is not there, but BYU has a very good offensive line, even though it might not be all the guys returning from that very elite unit from last season. It's BYU. They have a bunch of big, older guys. I'm very bullish on BYU's run game with Tyler Algier, and I feel like behind that line, and Arizona has, I mean, it was the leftovers of Kevin Sumlin's defensive recruits are going to be trying to stop BYU, which has a distinct physical advantage. So I don't think BYU is going to win 42 to nothing, but I think they can ground them away, and BYU actually has a really nice complement of skill, which you maybe think of them more as an offensive line and tight end your program. So I think BYU just is superior in every way in a program right now, and they should roll in this game. And for those who do not dabble in Apple stock, but in games, that could be a nice way to make some money back. Uh, if you if, listen to Pat and bet on Miami earlier in the day, it's a nice, uh, nice late night, uh, late night game in the, uh, in, in the desert. If, if Miami does somehow cover in that game, the, the size of Pat Forty's grin oh. beneath his mask in the press box on Saturday night in Charlotte oh God. The group is going to be is blinding. Be <laughs> Turn off your phone. Turn off your phone. All right, Pat, who you got? Let, let it be noted, by the way, here now that Pete has touted his picks from 2020 twice on this podcast. Hadn't said anything about last week when he was strong on Nebraska against Illinois. Mm, didn't work out so well. Anyhow, back to this week, back to modern day here. Uh, I, what I really want to do is take Louisville and the points against Ole Miss, but that's Monday night, and that's going to be 
we're not. I think we're going to have the overreaction Monday podcast done before that. So throw that one out. I'm going to take Missouri laying 14 at home against Central Michigan. General rule of thumb here. When the visiting MAC team has a coach who's out with appendicitis, take the SEC team at home. Uh, <laughs> Missouri to win and cover the two touchdowns. A, tr- a truism. Proven. Tried. Happens all the time. Sully, Cat's going to pull out Phil Steele and be like, when coaches are missing games with appendicitis and match FCC backups. <laughs> One in 11 all time. <laughs> Terry Bowden uh, sprung an upset <laughs> once when he was at Akron. <laughs> He doesn't need. He doesn't need an appendix. Give me Deuce Vaughn and Kansas State against Stanford's porous defense. It's going to be a pretty sluggish game, but that five foot six tear is going to run all over the trees. All right, bang. All right, I'm taking Fresno plus twenty and a half uh, at Oregon. Fresno, I think, is pretty darn good this year. Like, could win the Mountain West. Good. They have a game under their belt. They annihilated UConn. What that means, who knows? But they look good doing it. I'm not saying beating UConn 45 to 0 says you're a good team, but good teams would beat UConn 45 to 0. I also think Oregon's got, if they are up, they will keep it fairly vanilla setting up the uh, Ohio State game. Uh, So they may not run up points. And I also think there's a chance they're looking ahead. To Ohio State. So I think we got a couple different psychological elements there. I'm going to take Oregon to win the game, but I think Fresno keeps it within three scores and I win this bet. That is our podcast. We will be back to overreact to everything on late Sunday night, Monday. I don't know. Soon enough. Well, I don't know when we're doing it. We're doing it. Everyone who's had uh, Hurricane Ida or the fires out in California, we're sorry for you. Hope everyone does better. Everyone else, please enjoy your Labor Day weekend. The season is really here, full on, and uh, we're all very excited for it. So stick with us. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Play this thing at a pod at, at your tailgate, and uh, go Bishop Sycamore. Talk to you later. <laughs>